Welcome to the Gregarious Mammal Podcast. In this episode, I speak to Replex, a startup I encountered here in Berlin, who promised to help you optimize your server infrastructure by analyzing at every level about where you could utilize the CPU better, the memory better, etc., etc. And this was recorded in a slightly echoey room with a new microphone, and I got something I have not had in a very, very long time, which was mobile phone interference. So, sorry about that. It's a little noisy, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. My name is Patrick. Um, so, also Patrick. Uh, we refer to each other as P1 and P2. Um, so, I'm largely responsible for sales and marketing at Replex. And, uh, yeah, especially, you know, focus on looking at especially more of the data center world in, in Europe, but as well cloud, emerging technologies, some of the more new cool stuff that's coming up. And I'm sure Tina can tell you a little bit more about that. So you're not Patrick. <laughs> I'm not Patrick, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Tino. Um, I'm the CTO and uh, co-founder of Reflex. And I've been working with Patrick uh, together for the past 12 years, I think. Yeah. We've been always working in the IT infrastructure business doing several stuff and that's where we identified uh, several issues or problems which we see as one big problem that we are trying to solve and replace. And I encountered you a couple of weeks ago just before Christmas at a pitch session where Patrick too. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you made the claim that you um, help DevOps developers, infrastructure people identify inefficiencies in their setup at various levels in the stack, um, which was an interesting proposition. Um, so I was interested in finding out some more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe go into a bit more detail about what the platform is and what it can help people solve. So I think in the last years, the complexity of IT infrastructure increased a lot. So there are a lot of technologies running on top of each other in the infrastructure stack. And also, horizontally, you see a lot of technology islands in bigger enterprise or companies. And um, what we do is that we connect all those layers. We pull information out of every single layer. Uh, we, we take topology information about how the infrastructure is structured. And also, um, usage data, historic, mm-hmm. historical usage data, um, like load CPU or load RAM disk storage information, and then we co- we correlate that across all layers. So one use case, for example, is that if you run a very modern Kubernetes or setup, um, and you have tons of AWS instances running uh, below that, um, we can help you to get uh, visibility again on how much each uh, single cluster. Uh, costs and also allocates and resources on the underlying AWS infrastructure. That's something where visibility gets lost because the technology is run on top of each other and are, there's nothing yet besides replays that connects this data. And I suppose this is an, you make an interesting point that something like Kubernetes has become very popular, but there's very there's multiple layers in there. I mean, Kubernetes is usually managing something else, and then that something else has something else running inside of it, and uh, in some respects, you know, computer hardware is powerful and we've sort of thought we can just forget about and not worry too much about these multiple layers, but they are all adding their own overhead and need to be finely tuned themselves. And it's actually interesting you mentioned the whole tie into the cost as well. It's like 30% or whatever the number you quote yeah. is, is a number, but if you see it in a, in a dollar or euro value, it has a whole other kind of... Sure. Um, value. So, I mean, how 
well, without giving away your, your magic, <laughs> I guess, actually, firstly, let's just, what's the various layers that you can, um, you monitor? <coughs> That's um, basically all the different types of IT infrastructure. So we, uh, when we are talking about the layers, we actually mean the assets of the inventory, which are physical machines mm-hmm. uh, in the different data centers. It's uh, the different virtualization technologies, so all, basically all virtual machines. Uh, we mean the multiple cloud providers, we mean the private clouds, and we, of course, mean the modern stack of the containers and the orchestrators. That's something we always we all see as uh, different, different types of assets, uh, and it's multiple um, technologies stacked on top of each other. And, uh, and is, it, is there an agent that just you have set up that is able to look down that entire stack, or do you have to install an agent at each particular point? We typically uh, just try to connect to the APIs okay. uh, of each layer. So, of course, nobody wants to install an agent. Mm. There are several cases where you might need an agent. For example, if it's only just an old legacy system and just a physical machine or virtualization on it, then, of course, you need to somehow get to that information of the topology, and that's where we provide an open source agent, mm-hmm. which is basically only a small script getting the information and pushing it to our API. And the information you need is mostly available at all of these layers? The providers are, well, especially the commercial providers have no issue with, I suppose they use it for their own billing and things like that anyway. It's just the um, public available data, especially in the cloud. It's, um, we need the instance types. From the instance types, we know how um, many virtual CPU cores you have, how much uh, RAM you have, and how much storage you have. And that's the topology data that we, that we collect and that we need. I think taking it a little bit more um, high level, it's the general what Gartner would re- uh, define as the AI ops approach. The uh, I think they changed it recently. It's now the algorithmic IT operations. AI ops. AI ops. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, one of the, it's basically the follow on of the ITOM kind of um, structure, and and the idea behind that basically is saying that you have one central source of information that you use yeah. uh, on a daily basis without having to focus on your fifty different tools that you normally yeah. use yeah. Uh, by connecting to those and then value adding to that information on top of that. So being able to gather a bunch of data basically from all types of different sources and then value adding to that data to make it understandable and actionable for you specifically. Mm. Not just generally, but specifically for you. And I think that's where that's where Reflex really comes into its own. And how able, how able are, what kind of, um, I'm still, I mean, I'm, my, my main sort of imagining of how this looks is, is the screenshots on your website. So I don't have tremendous amounts of uh, idea how it exactly looks. So for example, here you have a screenshot saying, um, I know you're using 62% RAM most of the time. So you probably don't need, you could probably have a little less RAM maybe. Um, is that basically the extent of the information or can you actually drill like, um, New Relic style, drill down into details of functions or particular aspects of the stack that are maybe using more resources than they should be, or not that they should be, but you can identify ones that are particularly heavy and power and uh, intensive. So you can start with a high level overview and then you can get across each layer and get very deep insight into each layer. And uh, we spend a lot of time on visualizations mm-hmm. and, uh, and try to, to optimize the information and make it understandable. Uh, we have a very experienced UI, UX designer who's spending a lot of time on, on data visualiza- uh, um, visualization. And um, 
especially in the container area, we have some very unique um, approaches on how to visualize things. Yeah. And, and I guess, so you also mentioned you use historical data because, of course, something like a distributed system goes through spikes as well. It will have peaks and it will then settle down a bit and have peaks every now and then. So you, well, can you define your own time frame or do you have like a suggested time frame that you have worked out algorithmically or...? So we need at least one month of okay. usage data to, to give very good predictions on the future workload. And uh, this data can be used then for capacity planning, for example. So you can see um, what we estimate or how your future workload looks like based on the historical data. And um, that helps companies that spend millions on AWS and have very large environments uh, to have much better data for their capacity planning. Okay. And um, is, is, the, is the platform live at the moment? Do you have people using it or are you still sort of private betas or? No, it's, it's, it's a live it's and, um, and GA, so, so our customers are using it. We have several customers in different industry or verticals who are using it. And um, we see very interesting use cases, especially in larger corporations. Mm-hmm. That, that are all jumping on the train right now on, on container and Kubernetes and, and they often are commonly in, in, in really big strategic cloud migration projects and, and they are very thankful for the data that we provide them. So, so we, are, we have a, a few customers in Germany, a few customers in the US and, and what we see is that especially the customers in the US are, are working often are much more intense on the container side mm-hmm. than are uh, some European companies, but, but uh, I think in the last six months there was also uh, a lot of traction and, and, and uh, the container space in Germany as well. And what are the so what are the uh, pieces of infrastructure that you support? You mentioned uh, a couple, but in terms of um, well, I guess uh, in terms of uh, cloud hosting, in terms of containers, in terms of container orchestrators. What are the ones you support? Uh, so we are um, container orchestrators. We support Kubernetes and Mesos. Okay, yep. And are um, still working on the integration of of, um, of Mesos, Apache Mesos, and all that. Um, we are um, support Docker containers, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and um, we are um, have connectors to AWS, uh, Google Cloud, and our Microsoft Azure. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, support KVM, SAN, uh, and um, VMware as virtualization layer. So, uh, yeah. And do you go up to the application level, or you just stop at the? the we stop at the application level because yeah. I think that's where the APM tools come in. Yeah. That have yeah. a very detailed view on the um, yeah. on the application level, and um, so we just focus on the. Um, on the infrastructure stack, uh, which now is also software, but not the business application that's actually running on top of the infrastructure. And um, what what uh, do you, you mentioned? You're the only or one of the only companies doing this. But are there is there are there components of maybe open source tools or things that people might be using at the moment that you're looking to sort of consolidate? Uh, I mean, I, I guess if I wanted to, I could probably pull together a tool here and a tool here and a tool there and make my own dashboard if I wanted to. Are there some common tools you're trying to replace or do you really see what you're doing as something very unique? 
That's a good question. I think there are probably uh, yeah. several tools around in the enterprise and open source world, uh, which um, we replace in the several um, layers of IT infrastructure or uh, performance metrics. But I think uh, as far as I have seen no other tool that is really focused on being technology agnostic, that's what we are trying to be, and having an overview of all the different technologies with a special focus on the modern stack of containers and orchestrators, especially as this is still very new technology, not very highly adopted. So uh, I think this definitely separates us from the different tools being focused on cloud migrations, on AWS cost optimization, Azure cost optimization, or whatever it is. Mm. I, I think that's exactly what we're trying to break down, actually, because it's it's a very siloed focus approach right now. Right? Everybody has their own tools, and everybody uses what they like for you to use, and by all means, we don't want to get rid of them, actually. What we want to do is set a layer on top of that and say, well, instead of all five, six, 10, 20 teams using something different, using kind of separate KPIs and using different tools, and nobody really talks to each other with the same information base, is actually to say, well, you have now a layer on top of that that consolidates all of that information, and you can all work with that same, those same, uh, uh, I like to call them sources of truth, but I mean, that's like the American marketing talking, but I mean, wow. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? It's in no, I know what you mean. Place. I think I just have a, a, some, unfortunately, a, a, a bit of skepticism about whether all these teams actually want to all use the same tool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because you think that we yeah. would be replacing something, that's, but that's actually not true. So we're yeah. not re um, replacing any existing solution in the teams. Uh, also because we do not um, uh, collect our own metrics, so we are connecting to existing metric sources in the yeah. different... I'm talking about generally. I, yeah. I'm not saying you in particular, I'm just saying developers generally. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but actually, uh, something you said about technology agnostic was something I was wanting to ask a bit more. So um, in terms of setting up the, the tool in the first place, uh, I, I, it, I kind of got an implication there that I don't have to say, oh, I'm using um, this orchestration tool on this host. I kind of just, I mean, how do I, how do I set this up? I, I just, I'm kind of seeing like, it may, you made me think I could say, well, one day I'm running on, on um, Amazon, but I've moved my application next month to, uh, to Azure and, you're, and the, the platform just notices that and carries on. I don't have to change anything. Is that... That is basically True. correct. Okay. So we do need the API keys. We only keep oh, okay. the different um, providers uh, of data so that we can connect to it. Uh, and we would, on a regular basis, which is currently like for one hour, depends on how you configure it. Uh, and then, yeah, see what happens. Okay. So this is actually interesting. So in some respects, if I had like a multi-tenant cloud, I could, yeah. I could, in one week I'm running on one, and one week I'm running on another, and et cetera, et cetera. That's you essentially even, what we mean. Yeah, you could even say, well, to the full IT yeah. because companies are now uh, having strategies to multi-cloud, yeah. uh, are moving to multi-cloud strategies, and they need an insight into the various uh, stacks of uh, cloud providers mm -hmm. or um, infrastructure providers they are using. And for some reason, your application seems to run better on Azure. You know, this is a kind of data you could, uh, who knows why, but yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, okay, cool. And I think I'm interested to actually uh, to, to have a try. I mean, I 
don't know what I can necessarily application I can throw at it to, <laughs> to, to try. But uh, and also, if I need to leave it running for a month, that's probably the more complex thing. I'm not entirely sure what I can create in an afternoon that I can just leave running for a month. But anyway, <laughs> we'll try. So, do you have like a like a um, tutorial project that people could try, or is it? No, not yet. We uh, just have um, um, closed demos for okay. yeah. customers or PLCs that we want yeah. to. Um, um, but maybe uh, later this year. Yeah, I, I did, there was an Israeli company that did like a JVM sort of uh, in-depth stack trace that would take you down almost to a line of code to identify a problem. Yeah. And they had to have a lot of like demo projects because people just couldn't really even know what they would get without just seeing it in, yes. in operation. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's uh, what's the plan over the next six months or so? All right. Um, <laughs> no, was, um, so actually, I mean, just to, just to clarify, we are largely focused on more complex environments. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's five servers in a coffee room, that's not necessarily an application that we look at. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, if you know, you still want it as well. In a coffee room, hopefully. Coffee room. <laughs> <laughs> that does still happen. That does still happen. But I mean, uh, no, for us especially, we're, we're l more largely focused at, I'd say, the mid-market to higher enterprise kind of level. Um, especially the more complicated kind of the better. But uh, the the plan for the next month is definitely to keep growing as we are. Um, I mean, on you know my kind of sell side of things, definitely continue to expand and you know get new customers, also new interesting use cases are always great for us. Uh, definitely some really cool customers coming on board uh, with some really cool use cases, which is great for us, of course. Um, and in terms of that, yeah, growing with people as well. Uh, we've, we're hiring, so exactly, we are hiring. <laughs> but what, what's uh, I mean, without you don't have to go into details of the the customer or what they were doing. But what's been the most kind of uh, um, the <laughs> the most amazing sounds to I mean, what's what's been the most. Uh, I'm going to use I'm going to use a very English phrase because it's the best I can think, but the most eye-opening, <laughs> you know, uh, piece of information that a client found. Like oh, we never realised that it was running like that. You know, was there, has there been anything so far? I think it's probably uh, showing the guys of the really required or utilized resources versus, versus the provisional resources, yeah. Yeah. especially when going to the modern stack with the containers and the orchestrators where uh, more and more the developers themselves define mm. um, the resources instead of the IT guys or IT ops providing resources um, has a huge leverage now as they request resources on a very granular level, on the container level and with orchestrators defining services <clears throat> with a huge amount of containers mm. that can waste a lot of resources. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are you saying uh, that the orchestrators tend to be wasting resources or the people who implemented them tend to be wasting resources? I think it's more uh, the problem of the missing insight. Yeah. Um, yet to, further, to uh, first know how much you probably will need, but then you just request it and never look at it again. Yeah. And then that's something we can provide them. Yeah. Looking at existing applications in huge clusters and providing them the inside look. If you change a little configuration here, uh, just resize uh, this configuration, and which is valid for hundreds of containers, you can save up to I don't know six figures on AWS. Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting because this is often, especially in the individual developer these days, has a tendency to say, "Ah, oh, 
you know, compute power of storage is cheap. Yeah. Just keep chucking more, it doesn't matter, you know, just keep going. And that individual developer maybe uh, spends mm. an amount that doesn't seem like that much, but I actually have a, I have a friend who's an engineering manager at Zalando, and on his team alone, which is just one team, he said, I think their AWS bill is like half a million a month. So like, you know. <laughs> so, I would like to be on that shit. So one thing that was very eye-opening for us as well as for the customer was um, that there's not only a technical factor in optimizing that, also a social factor uh, within the team. So we are we provided them with data that uh, they could use for like a high score, uh, and they had five scrum teams deploying software on their own on the uh, on the uh, container orchestrator. And with this high score, they were running to the guys who were actually configuring the container size and defining how much resources they need and try to motivate them to run everything more efficiently mm-hmm. and, and, and gave them like a, like a prize for the most efficient team gets like a free company dinner. Yeah. And that was a huge impact without yeah. automatically or yeah. optimizing anything. Yeah. So our, that was... So, so it was the insight that we provided them with uh, that helped them to, to optimize it internally without... Um, automatically auto- optimizing it um, so that was uh, something we, we didn't see before and which was very efficient also and so so we integrated it as a feature and, and also pitched that rather gamification <laughs> but it's actually interesting because you say um, uh, you know so someone's bill is, is half a million a, a quarter or whatever which is just a reasonable amount of money and you say them 30% that also means that the Cloud company has lost percent. <laughs> Do you foresee a, a problem where some of these, you know, I don't know, you become sufficiently popular and make sufficient enough impact that some of these cloud providers say, "Well, hang on a minute, we're not very happy with what you're doing here. You're losing us money." You know, the cloud providers are really happy um, because yeah. they are the overall cloud adoption is much higher if yeah. the customers are satisfied and they know that they, yeah. that they are running the infrastructure more efficiently and cheaper than traditional data centers. So everything that um, we provide them um, with that helps them to, to run um, mm. uh, more cost-effective um, is also supported by the big cloud providers. So, so there are no, no doubts. They, they want to make or the customer successful absolutely and I think because migration scenarios are something that we see more and more upcoming as well within our customers they're quite happy that we facilitate that in the first place I mean they wouldn't necessarily or they might decide not to go to the cloud if they you know just replicate their data what they're doing in the data center one to one do the lift and shift approach to the cloud and then they go oh this is expensive so two questions that came to and they're almost completely opposite to each other just firstly going back to your uh, five servers in the coffee room so you can also run the agent on your own machine as well yes yeah, yeah absolutely okay. yeah and then the other question was which is a complete opposite is uh, does the service also work with things like lambdas and spot instances and the kind of the the compute services that come and go or does it have to be on something that's more long running so it depends so, so for spot instances definitely yeah. but for or lambda not yet so yeah. um depends then um on what kind of service you're running there on top of the existing cloud infrastructure. Yeah. We don't support I mean, uh, yeah. or functions as a service yet because it's not a real infrastructure asset anymore. No, it's, it's fair enough. And you're probably getting very direct, very direct feedback on how efficient it is anyway, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, and also the enterprise adoption is not high at all. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know it's still pretty new. I think there's certain uh, communities that love it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... Um, 
if you're aiming very strongly at enterprise, what are some of the, the problems you've had so far? Just convincing people it's worthwhile or other problems that you haven't foreseen? Security, privacy issues, I'm not sure, any kind of issues you've come into? Um, so, luckily for us, IT infrastructure generally right now is a very hot topic. Yeah. So, generally, even in higher levels, um, when we're looking at kind of C level, C minus one, C minus two, C minus three, whatever, how far down, everyone seems to know kind of the basics or generally knows how to talk about it. So, it's been great for us generally to talk to people. Um, some of the issues, I mean, okay, sales cycles generally in enterprises are just long. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I mean, there hasn't been too many crazy challenges, especially on the security side, which Germany is always known for. We haven't had many problems because um, you can deploy on premise if you want. Yeah. Uh, so there's usually no issue with that. Um, I've, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of any direct challenge. That's fine, guys. Um, well, here's another question. Just because I'm, uh, some, some companies like yourselves that uh, tend to be able to dig into some detail about an infrastructure, you can end up surfacing quite interesting uh, uh, bugs or uh, problems that people didn't know about in Kubernetes or, or whatever. Have you, have you surfaced anything like that yet? That you saw a trend that kept recurring? And this, something's not quite right here and it was actually being a problem that you've managed to help people identify? Or not yet? So I think in many bigger corporations, still early days with containers and container orchestrators, they often have uh, like technology islands running with some uh, projects running on containers already. Um, and sometimes we see that they have different strategies internally, even for the same technology. So like in Kubernetes, if they run one big cluster or a multi-cluster strategy or so, so um, but we haven't seen anything that's like that. That, that we see at all customers also like, like a recurring technical problems. You know, I don't sort of, uh, I wonder, because I think especially with something like Kubernetes, I think a lot of people are still learning how to actually use it properly. And there may be errors in documentation or setup that everyone's following and everyone's <laughs> getting the same problem. <laughs> and you can actually sort of uh, logging tools and, uh, and monitoring tools can help actually kind of say, well, this is this is actually a, this is this is not a, a problem with uh, an application or something. There's actually a problem somewhere deeper. That <laughs> yeah, I think funnily enough, it's mostly kind of a cultural situation because the developer role is is changing mm -hmm. in Kubernetes world. There's definitely more responsibility kind of along the whole chain suddenly, um, and that's something that we've heard, or especially I've heard speaking to a lot of people, that that cultural shift is definitely more of a a challenge, I would say, for, for companies who have, you know, traditionally more developers who are just used to mm. the way you, things used to be. They ask for resources on the IT, and on, from the IT guys, kind of from the, whatever, the sysops guys, they give them the resources and then they go and develop something and then it's production's problem kind of thing. Mm. Whereas in uh, kind of the more modern stack, that whole responsibility chain is much longer. Yeah. So I think that's more of the, more of a cultural challenge. And that's something that Replace can definitely help with. I mean, as we mentioned with the, with the kind of gamification of the, of the dashboard, which was cool to see. I mean, it was good fun. It kind of, you know, helped, yeah. especially the engineers to kind of get into a competitive mood. Oh, and definitely. Try to help each other. And it was a huge yeah. uh, saving on that. I think actually cloud computing and a bunch of other things <laughs> have really actually made 
applications become less efficient because developers are, well, you know, it doesn't matter, we'll just chuck more computers. <laughs> just in case. We've seen a lot of... Uh, a lot of problems recently of applications. Yeah, I mean, just to give you some official yeah. figures, I mean, the recent uh, report that came out of the uh, state of the cloud was uh, $60 billion worldwide being uh, spent on resources that aren't being used. I, I like, actually, this is an interesting uh, sort of pitch perspective you have. Instead yeah. of this is a potential kind of uh, monetization market, it's like this is a potential market where we can save people all this money. It's like, it's kind of a yeah. different perspective. On and that money's definitely going up. Yeah. So uh, with the 2015 one was 57.8 billion, and it's up now to 60, 60 and a bit. Yeah. So it's definitely going up. Um, well, with the cloud adoption, I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of proportionate. What could you spend that money on instead? Dinners. <laughs> 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 Just a few. <laughs> Just a few dinners. A few, few extra office parties. And that was Replex. For previous episodes and show notes, go to gearismammal.com slash podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate us, review us, please support the show through donations or buying merchandise or signing up to our mailing list at gregarismammal.com slash support. Thank you very much.